The problem with the way most providers approach treating Crohn's and colitis is that they treat us with a top-down, outside-in perspective instead of finding IBD where it starts, at the root. The top-down approach, it is great when symptom relief is our goal, but it's not so good when you're ready to move beyond medicine and tackle this illness from the inside out. This backwards way of treating IBD, we have become so stinking accustomed to it and it smothers our IBD flame for a short stint, but it doesn't put out the fire for long periods of time. It negates the roots that caused our illness in the first place and it discounts the body's innate and I have to say truly amazing ability to restore balance when given the proper tools. In this Treating IBD series, we have been talking about a whole new approach, a reimagining, if you will, of how we see our Crohn's and colitis. From the way that it came into our lives to providers who can help us dig deep to find lasting answers. And today, as we wrap up this Treating IBD series, we're putting the final piece of the puzzle in place. The one that is waiting for you to put all of this information together. The nine root causes of IBD. And chances are, don't get worried here, because chances are you don't have all nine. But when you know your two, three, four, five maybe roots, you can be armed then with the clarity and the power you need to finally make big, bold leaps at truly quelling your IBD. Together in part three of Treating IBD, Moving Beyond Medicine in this series, we are going to nail down your roots and get you moving on a gut healing path that leads to, dare I say it, remission. Can I get a yes, 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 yes. Here we go. You are listening to the Cheeky Podcast for Moms with IBD, a safe space where moms with Crohn's and colitis connect, explore powerful tools for healing, and transform our lives to thrive in motherhood and in life. I'm your host, Karen Haley, IBD health coach, integrative wellness enthusiast, and mom to three outstanding kids. After having Crohn's disease for 30 years and working as a health advocate exclusively with IBD clients for the last 10 years, I know it's time to bring the types of candid conversations I have with my clients out into the open. It's our time to go on an IBD healing journey and do it like only a mom can. Let's do this. If autoimmunity was a tree, it would have nine roots. Nine roots that can all lead back to one place, your trigger. Hey there, my friend, Karen Haley with you again on The Cheeky Podcast, and I hope you are having a promising day. I know it might not be a great day. We all know that days with IBD can be hit or miss, but It's episodes like this one that I'm sharing with you today. It's episodes like this that have the power to give hope and support to help you move forward armed with life-transforming knowledge. Knowledge you can then just run with. I love that about this episode. 
And this is definitely a notes episode. It's one that's going to give you so much detailed information. I want you to have that at your fingertips. So get out your notes app, get out a pen. You're going to want to do some notes for this one. You're going to want to just jot some of these ideas down. This episode is part three in what has turned into a three-part. Originally, it was a two-part series, but there was so much information. It's now a three-part series. It's all about how you can move beyond medicine to add other treatment modalities to your IBD healing regime. And I've said it before, and I'll say it again, I'm sure, medicine might be part of your plan. I am certainly not promoting taking away what you already have in place. What we're talking about in this series is finding other ideas, other ideas to add, of your, to add to your wheel of wellness, if you've heard me talk about that, other things to add besides medicine, to diversify your healing, to get to the root of why you got here in the first place. And if it is your goal to help you completely move beyond medicine when the time is right for you. And only you and your doctor will know when the time is right for that. But in the meantime, let's focus on adding to your treatment options so that you can find the healing and the path to a life that you absolutely deserve, mama. You deserve it. Now, last week in part two, that was episode 90. Do you remember that was the episode where we talked about all your provider options when you're ready to truly explore all the healing modalities open and waiting for you? Options and ideas your traditional doctor is probably not telling you about. If you haven't listened to that episode yet, go check it out. It's got loads of really solid information on providers that can help you when you are ready. You might also remember me saying that I've got an awesome resource coming your way. It's my favorite IBD experts list. And it's experts in each of the areas that we discussed in that particular episode, episode 90. IBD experts who are in the thick of gastrointestinal issues and have great info, not great info knowledge. Oh my goodness, I'm combining information and knowledge. Great information and great knowledge. Maybe that'll become part of the Webster's Dictionary info knowledge. Oh, funny. Okay. Anyway, they have information and they have knowledge, and. They may be some that you've heard of before because some of them are quite famous and maybe they're ones that are completely new to you. If you want to get your hands on my IBD expert list, it's hot off the press and you can get your hands on it at karenhaley.com forward slash experts. That's karenhaley.com forward slash experts. Remember, my mom had to be a little different and she spelled my name with a Y. So it's K-A-R-Y-N and then Haley is H-A-L-E-Y dot com forward slash e-x-p-e-r-t-s wherever you are in the u.s even if you're in other parts of the world this list is going to be valuable for you because these providers in many cases they'll offer telemedicine options or they'll have information where you can go to their website or they publish things regularly regarding gut health and you can get access to that. So it doesn't matter where you live, you're still gonna benefit from this information. I really do not want you to miss out on this because this is 
big. This is capital H huge. I'm going to remind you about the link one last time before we wrap up. So if you don't have something to write with, don't worry about it. I will remind you one more time. And of course, there's a lot of links I'm going to mention today. If you want to just save your time writing about those and get them in the show notes, you can go to karenhaley.com forward slash 91. All the links I'll be mentioning today will be right there. karenhaley.com forward slash 91. Okay, now let's get to those roots. Back in part one in the Treating IBD series, I mentioned to you the three-legged stool. Do you remember the legs and are you still holding on to how they pertain to you? Did you do that homework? The first leg of your stool is your genetics, the DNA that you're born with. Is it as fixed as we once thought? No, actually it's not. It's changeable. It's more malleable than we thought. According to the field of epigenetics, it is. But we are born with the DNA for IBD. The next leg of your stool is your microbiome or the trillions of bacteria living inside your body. I know, (laughs) wasn't sounding, right? Don't think about it because they're all there and trying to be in harmony with you. But their balance or their imbalance, right, possibly even intestinal permeability, that's the key to the trajectory of your IBD, of your Crohn's or colitis. If all of this is confusing to you, don't fret. I just gave you a really quick synopsis, the Cliff Notes version, as I say. So go back and check out episode 89 if you haven't listened to it yet. It will catch you up in a really simplified way with more information. And then you can jump back into this episode for part three. Okay, now let's move on to that last leg. We talked about leg one, leg two. Let's talk about the last leg of your three-legged stool. Do you remember that one? It's your trigger leg. The mind, body, and soul stressor or stressors that have caused that volcano to slowly begin to ooze. Or even maybe it was catastrophic. It was a catastrophic eruption, like Pompeii-sized blast kind of eruption. But everyone is different here. How did your IBD show up in your body? How did it show up for you? That's what's most important here. It's these stressors. It's the triggers For you, this is where we begin our treating IBD story today. So in part one, we talked about our three-legged stool, a three-legged stool, and how one of the legs is your trigger leg. And at the end, I gave you a homework assignment, like I just mentioned, there was homework, to think about what those stressors might have been for you. So today, we're going to put that homework to the test with nine possible autoimmunity triggers. Let's see if your triggers fall into one or more of these categories. And like I said at the top of the show, most people with autoimmunity, they fall into anywhere from three to five typically, could be a little less, could be a little more, but typically about three to five of these root cause triggers. Maybe you'll confirm what you already know and you'll then feel more confident about what brought your IBD about, or maybe you'll add a couple triggers in to your insights, and then you're going to be much more armed with great information to take to your provider into your future healing. With each trigger, I'll point out some of the ways medical professionals look at, assess, and then treat these nine 
roots. And this is definitely not a substitute for a good medical provider. That's why we did part two. We're really looking at this from a high view, a general perspective today. But it will be some good information though for you to then fill in your specifics and at least know which practitioner is going to be best for you to start with depending on the triggers that you are presenting with. Are you ready? Are you ready for those nine triggers? Here we go. Let's talk about trigger number one. Here it is. Trigger number one is leaky gut. Is this one of your triggers? You may already know, but maybe it's not. Everyone who's heard of leaky gut and has gastrointestinal challenges, they tend to think, oh, well, I have gastrointestinal issues. I must have leaky gut. And actually, this isn't always the case. And you can't make a definitive assessment based on your symptoms alone. If you were here for part one in our Treating IBD series, you might remember I mentioned a clinician and a researcher named Dr. Alessio Fasano. He's the man who started this whole leaky gut conversation. And thanks to his research, we know that there is a protein that regulates leaky gut in our body. Really cool find. And that protein is called zonulin. And there are some really good tests now in medicine, tests ordered by functional and integrative medicine providers that look to see if you have high levels of zonulin in your blood or stool. A high level of zonulin, it's a good indicator that you do in fact have leaky gut, one of the root triggers behind autoimmunity and IBD. So let's say zonulin testing has been conducted by your provider and you know leaky gut is at play. It's one of your root causes. So now what? Well, there's a few options root cause providers are using for their patients. And of course, it's one part of a comprehensive approach because it must go hand in hand with your other root causes, other root cause solutions. But first and foremost, we want to grab the low hanging fruit. And when we do that, we're talking about your diet. That is the easiest thing to start with, isn't it? So eating in a way that supports the health of your digestive system and the lining of your intestinal tract, especially, that is paramount here. We know that everyone is different, right? But some changes you might want to consider regarding food would be eating gluten-free eating dairy-free, possibly eliminating gut-disrupting foods like corn and soy. These types of foods may be one of the things that are at the root of your IBD. And we're going to talk about specific food sensitivities in just a minute, but this is just the tip of the iceberg when it comes to foods that create an environment for leaky gut. Healing leaky gut, it can also include adding in foods like bone broth. Bone broth is very, very healing to the lining of the digestive tract. And basically the bottom line here with leaky gut is that you want to eat in a way that supports your GI tract so that you have the power to digest and absorb the food you eat. When you have leaky gut, that all gets compromised. But when you have a strong intestinal system, now you are digesting and absorbing the food, the nutrients in the food you're eating. 
Sounds like digesting and absorbing nutrients, it sounds like that should be automatic. And for most people it is, right? But for us with IBD, it's not. Now besides food, what other things can you do to help heal leaky gut? Supplements and herbs are wonderful for starters. Digestive enzymes, probiotics, an amino acid supplement called L-glutamine is great. Licorice root, slippery elm, aloe vera, marshmallow root. And of course, I'm not saying you need to take all of these. No, 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 don't get overwhelmed here. Absolutely not. These are just options to consider. Ones that you can work with your moving beyond medicine provider to tailor a plan that works best for your needs. Okay, that was trigger number one, leaky gut. Let's move on and talk about trigger number two, gut dysbiosis. Gut dysbiosis. Dysbiosis, it's a bit of a fancy word, but it just means that there's an imbalance in the bacteria of your digestive system. An imbalance of bacteria, it's one of the hallmarks of IBD, isn't it? Many of us fall into this particular root cause. How about you as you're kind of thinking about this and trying to figure out which ones fit for you? How about you? How does this one land for you? Do you feel like there's some general disorder going on in your microbiome? Gut dysbiosis, it's one of those ailments best looked at in your stool. That's where we can really see what's going on. But it's not going to be found in your traditional stool tests, the ones that you would typically get at your GI's office. Thankfully, though, there are functional labs with companies like Diagnostic Solutions and Genova Diagnostics, and they offer quality stool testing for gut dysbiosis. And it's great if you have a provider who can order these types of labs, but if you don't, the good news is that now you can order labs like these on your own through reputable direct-to-consumer labs. I always prefer there's a doctor that's on hand to be able to interpret the results for you because really they can be quite complicated, but it's good to know that tests like these do exist and that where we once were not able to get things like this at all, now we can. Now we can order tests like this ourselves. So I'm going to leave some links in the show notes at karenhaley.com forward slash 91 to some of the best direct-to-consumer lab companies in case you want to check that out. So when we're talking about healing gut dysbiosis, it all starts with, say it with me, your diet. See a pattern here? <laughs> See how much you can accomplish with your diet, with the food you eat. It is truly amazing. If we only put just a little bit of energy into finding out the foods that work for your body, your first steps here will be to cut out the crappy food. And I know you know what I'm talking about. The fast food, the can, the box, the packaged food, the food with way too many ingredients that no one can pronounce. Replacing the junk food with healthy food. And remember, that healthy food is different for everyone. But again, it's about eating the food that your body can digest and absorb. And providers like the ones that I mentioned last week in part two, they're the ones that can help you figure this kind of thing out. If that's a struggle for you, they can help you. After a diet cleanup, you know, taking some things away, now we want to start adding some things in things that are really going to help your microbiome, your the bacteria in your gut. And those would be things like your probiotic-rich foods, your 24-hour 
fermented yogurt, sauerkraut, kimchi, fermented veggies, kombucha, kefir, pickles, that's one of my favorites, apple cider vinegar, all the good bacteria that can really begin to repopulate your digestive tract when you're ready for it. And then when you're able to tolerate it, it won't be right away because if there's some dysbiosis going on, you're going to be really sensitive. But when you're ready for it, when you've cleaned up your diet, then you've moved in with some really high quality probiotic foods. Now you can move into pre the area of prebiotics, foods like dandelion greens, Jerusalem artichoke, garlic. These are all great options, but again, this happens after some healing and restoring of the digestive tract has taken place. If you've ever just jumped into probiotics or you jumped into prebiotics, you jumped on that train because you saw an infomercial or you saw some ad and you thought, oh yes, that's happened to my dad. I can't even tell you how many times. I'm so proud of that guy for understanding the power of gluten-free and understanding the power of supplements, but he gets so sucked in by these things. I saw this infomercial and so I'm gonna order this $100 probiotic or prebiotic. You know what I'm talking about. We all get sucked into that. But maybe you heard it was the answer to bloating, to gas, to diarrhea. But we can't just jump in with those because we haven't restored yet. It's really important, but at, at, at a certain point, you will get to that place. And then it's time for the probiotics and then the prebiotics. And again, working with your provider, one of the providers I mentioned last week, because they can help you figure out when the time is right for you. Now, I want to mention one last thing before we move on to trigger number three. Besides probiotic foods, there's also some supplements you can take. I always like to start with foods, but it's good to know there's supplements as well because they can give you some higher concentrations when you need it. So those would be things like your probiotics, like VSL number three, VisBiome, Kirkman Labs makes an SCD legal probiotic. Pure Encapsulations makes a good probiotic formula as well as Claire Labs. So those are just some names of brands that I know are high quality, batch tested, really good pharmaceutical grade probiotic supplements. Okay, moving on from trigger number two, let's move on to trigger number three, and those are GI infections. Root cause, trigger number three, GI infections, gut infections. SIBO, candida, C. diff, that's your colostrum difficile, salmonella, E. coli, H. pylori, so many gut infections. And as hard as it is to believe, much of the time, we don't even know we have these infections at our root of IBD because we're so used to having gut challenges. It becomes normal to us and no one is testing for it. You don't typically get tested for these things. Your, your traditional doctor is just not testing for it. Bloating, gas, diarrhea, the back and forth between diarrhea and constipation, sugar cravings, heart palpitations, anxiety, brain fog, poor concentration, skin rashes, and the list goes on and on. All of these symptoms can be at the heart of an undiagnosed GI infection. And with infections like these, the only way to really treat them with accuracy is to test for them first. So you really know what you're dealing with, right? It's like throwing darts and hoping it's gonna hit the bullseye. No, you really have to know what it is you have before you can figure out 
how to specifically treat it. SIBO, that's that small intestinal bacterial overgrowth, it's one of the infections that you probably have heard of before. Most gastros, though, they're not testing for it. Or when they do test, they aren't using the best available test, the one that really shows definitive answers in this area. And I see client after client only able to get limited SIBO testing from their doctor. And it is so frustrating. But integrative, functional, naturopathic physicians, ones who specialize in IBD, they are usually knowledgeable about the best SIBO and other GI infection testing options. And again, there's probably tests you can order direct to consumer. But again, I have to say having a trained professional to read your results, I would say that's always preferable. When you're treating gut infections, sometimes you might need an antibiotic. Other treatment options, they might include herbal remedies, things like allicin, that's a compound found in garlic, or natural antibacterials and antifungals like oil of oregano or maybe neem oil. The type of infection that you have along with your doctor's gut infection protocol, and I say that because every doctor that I've talked to about this, they seem to have a different one. They all kind of have their own. They have, they're similar at their core, at their heart, but they all have their own way of doing it. That will determine how long this will take for you, how long you'll take the supplements, which things you take, medicine versus supplements. The doctor will have their own way that works best for them. And of course, food, food should always be a part of an intestinal infection treatment plan. So here we're talking about diets like FODMAPs, the SCD, specific carbohydrate diet. They can be really helpful because they're low in sugar, they're low in fermentation, and they're low in carbs. GI infections, they will always trump adding in probiotics for gut dysbiosis. So you got to take care of that first. This is a clear case when some restoration of the GI tract, it needs to come first. And then after some healing has taken place, then it will be safer for you to start adding in those probiotics, the prebiotics, fermented foods, those kinds of things, and supplements all once again. Make sense? All right, fantastic. Let's move on and talk about trigger number four. Your IBD root cause number four trigger is a high sugar, high carb diet. You knew that one was coming. There's nobody these days that's going to say, eat all the sugar that you want and carb load because it's so healthy for you. It's just no, 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 no. We know too much today. And you know, mama, you know if this one is you. I, I can relate to this one so much. This was me back when I finally decided I wanted to move beyond medicine. Problem was, this is where I was stuck. I was stuck in the high sugar, high carb diet. It was my biggest culprit because back then, my days were filled with pasta, white bread, cereal, mashed potatoes with gravy, mac and cheese, all the so-called comfort food. That's all that I ate because it didn't initially bother my stomach, so I didn't realize all of the damage it was doing. So much so that when I finally changed the way I was eating, and I embraced a finally a low carb, low sugar diet, I literally, I went into carbohydrate withdrawal. Yeah, absolutely I did. And let me tell you, that thing is real, it is no joke, it is hell, it is not fun. 
Oh goodness. But I'm so glad I did it. I'm so glad I got off of it. It was a it was a difficult week, week and a half, but I'm so glad that I finally got off of it. Changing up your diet when you are a sugar and carb junkie. It can be really tough, especially when you see others eating this way, seeming to have no consequences at all. It is just not fair, right? This is where the genetics come into play, unfortunately. But as I got to tell you this, as my clever integrative gastro told me one time, yes, you have the IBD genes, but eating this way, it catches up with everyone. So while others are struggling with heart disease later in life, type 2 diabetes, stroke, neurological challenges, your future, and your future too, my friend, thanks to eating healthy, it looks much brighter. So take heart, at least in that knowledge. Your genetics may have set all of this up in the first place, but actually it can be a positive here because it's what's giving you the motivation to eat with your gut health in mind. To eat healthy so you can avoid all those later in life challenges that so many people are plagued with. The even better news about trigger number four is that when one of your root causes to IBD is an unhealthy diet, the treatment doesn't require a procedure, a test, the blood work, even a stool sample. Instead, it requires a commitment to figuring out what gut healing foods work best for your body. This is a really good place to enlist the help of a qualified nutritionist or a health coach who specializes in IBD. Not a calorie counter, that's not what I'm talking about here, not a bland food promoter, but someone who understands the impact of food on the digestive tract. And if they mention follow a bland diet, that is your sign. Remember, I think I said this in the last episode, that's your sign to run, not walk away from the door because that's not what you need. You need someone who really understands the impact of digestion and absorption in the digestive tract and what makes that function at its peak. Okay, we've made it to trigger number five. Your root cause IBD trigger number five, it is vitamin and mineral deficiencies. This can be a big unknown trigger for autoimmune conditions like IBD because so much of the time we never know where we stand with vitamins and minerals. It's just not information that we're getting. Who's getting that checked, your vitamin and mineral profile? As an IBD patient, it's not something that comes up in the traditional lab work. But when digesting and absorbing nutrients are a problem, when that's at play, when it's not going well for you, you better believe it is going to show up as a GI challenge. It will catch up with you. Vitamin and mineral deficiencies, they show up as weak bones, fatigue, decreased immune function. Do any of these sound familiar to you? So many of us are saying, yes, I can hear you all over the world saying, yes, 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 I've got those things. This could be the root cause for you. And it's time you got it checked out. Like I said, vitamin and mineral testing is not standard. It is not a standard part of your blood work. Let's say maybe a D level if you're lucky, but other nutrients like your B level, like B12, folic acid, zinc, calcium, magnesium, vitamin C, potassium, or how about your macronutrients? Like how well are you digesting fat? How well are you digesting protein and carbohydrates? All of these levels will have an impact on your C and C. 
and no one is looking for it. Now testing and then correcting for vitamin and mineral deficiencies, it can lead to huge, capital H, huge transformations for the way your Crohn's and colitis shows up in your body. I'm going to say it again, a functional or an integrative provider, that's the way to go because they can start looking at your vitamin and mineral count by checking out your blood work. But then they're going to go deeper. They're going to go deeper with urine or saliva or possibly even hair sample testing. Tests that can detect the micro and macronutrient deficiencies in your body. And then they can give you a personalized vitamin and mineral plan that includes food as well as supplements that are worth taking. Let me just really make sure that I bring this into really practical terms here. Let's take B12, for example. Most traditional doctors, they might prescribe B12 injections. If they find that you're low in B12, it's really common if you have ileal Crohn's, the Crohn's in the terminal ileum, because that's where we absorb B12. And if you're having, if there's disease in that area, you're not going to be absorbing it as well. So low levels of B12, they might show up as fatigue, brain fog, muscle aches, joint pain, weakness, things like that. And most doctors If they find it's low, they'll end up prescribing a form of B12 called cyanocobalamine. But another form, methylcobalamine, the methylated form of B12, is it's the active form of B12. So no conversion of the vitamin is necessary in your body. It doesn't have to convert to the active form. Many IBDers, they are unable to convert to the active form of B12, the methyl form. So what's happening is they're just wasting their time with a B12 supplement, a B12 shot that just never helps their levels rise. And let me just give you one more example. Let me give you a more common one, and that's vitamin D, because that's something we've all heard of. Many IBDers are D deficient, but are you getting the right test in your blood serum labs to really look at this? Make sure you ask your doctor for, it's called a 25-hydroxy vitamin D test. Look at your blood work, ask for it, and make sure you're getting the right test. And be sure to look at the values when it comes back because many traditional providers will say, mm, your level's around 30, maybe a little below 30, so you're okay there when a functional or or an integrative provider, they warn that your D level really needs to be much higher than that because they're looking at things at a functional level. So yes, we can ward off the most serious of sickness with a low normal D level, but we're not functioning at our peak there. Does that make sense? That's how a functional medicine provider looks at it. Our D levels need to be much higher. So providers like the ones I mentioned last week, they're looking at your labs, even the same labs that your traditional provider is doing, they're looking at them a little bit differently. Not just pathological, but at functional, at the functional level, so that you are not just surviving, they want you thriving. Okay, let's move on and talk about trigger number six. Before we do that, I just want to check in with you. We've been through five already. 
How are you doing? Have you picked one, two of these, possibly all of them? And that's okay. Have you picked at least a couple that you feel like, yeah, I want to check into that. I think that could be a root cause for me. That's where I want you to be right now. Let me tell you about hidden trigger six, seven, eight, and nine, and we'll see how they land for you as well. Okay, so trigger number six, your root cause to IBD number six is hidden food allergies or sensitivities. And this is a big one for us, mama. This is capital H, huge. It's amazing what knowing your food sensitivities and avoiding those foods, it's amazing what that can do for you. Have you ever spent time on this? Have you ever tried to figure out what your food sensitivities are? If you have, I know that you are shaking your head with me. You are saying, oh yeah, she's right. It is huge. Karen is right. I have personally witnessed a 180 degree turnaround from client after client when they figure out what foods work for them and what foods don't. And these type of food reactions, it may not be your typical allergy, you know, anaphylactic reaction, but they cause troubles nonetheless. Common root cause sensitivities we tend to see with IBD are things like sensitivities to gluten, dairy, foods that contain histamines, or fructose, or corn, wheat, soy, eggs. Sometimes caffeine can really trigger symptoms as well. And the way that these sensitivities show up for each of us, big surprise, it's gonna be different. From gut challenges, to body aches, to brain fog, to sleep disturbances, skin rashes, food sensitivities can show up in a myriad of ways. So it's important that you're looking at all of these ways, not just your gut. And figuring out what these foods are and then figuring out how they show up in your body, that is the key. It can take a little while, but it's so worth it. It is the key to quelling this root cause challenge that you're having, this food sensitivity challenge. And there's many ways to assess this. There's many ways you can go about figuring it out. One way though, is through food sensitivity testing. Like there's a test called LEAP, L-E-A-P, Learning, Eating and Performing Test. That's one of the food sensitivity tests out there. There's another one called the ELISA test, E-L-I-S-A. Everly Well, that's a newer brand, but that's out there as well, a home version of the food sensitivity test. One that you would get at your doctor's office is from Genova Diagnostics. They have a version as well. And while these tests, I, I had, they're by no means perfect. Sometimes they work, sometimes they don't work as well. They don't catch every food sensitivity. They can be a moment in time. But when you're really struggling to figure out, what do I do? I'm so confused. Where do I go from here? This is a really great place to start because it can just be just the catalyst that just gets you moving in that direction. It can give you some key food sensitivities that you can stop eating and they can make a big difference. So I would say that even though some people poo-poo tests like these, I do think that they do have their value. Now, if you don't have access to food testing, you can still make strides at figuring out your food sensitivities by tracking your food, your mood, your symptoms, and your poop with a food journal. It could be in an app, it could be in your own free flow journal, or it could be with my food mood poop journaling system. Methods like this, they usually take a little more time than your standard food sensitivity test, your blood test. 
It takes a little more dedication, but they can work. If you give it time, it can work at helping you figure out how the food you're eating is impacting all the systems in your body, especially the GI tract. Now, if you're looking for a way to track yourself, if you want to do this yourself so that you can begin to uncover your food sensitivities, go to the show notes at karenhaley.com forward slash 91. See lots of links for you today. Lots of goodness. I'm going to leave a link there for my food mood poop journaling system. It's completely free. There's a link there so you can get it. All right, moving on to trigger number seven, toxins. IBD root cause number seven trigger is toxins. It's something that most of us rarely think about. And I know, sure, we think about poisons or things that are hazardous, right? Hazardous materials. We want to avoid those. Carbon monoxide, bad. Asbestos, not good, right? But if you are a kid of the 80s or the 70s or the 80s like me, you might even remember the Mr. Yuck stickers, right? Our parents would put those on products throughout our home if it was something that we were supposed to not touch because it had chemicals in it. Are you old enough to remember Mr. Yuck like me? Or is it maybe it's just me? Maybe I'm just old. Oh, give me a virtual yes, I remember if you do. I'm feeling you. (laughs) Okay, but all toxins... They aren't as obvious as the Mr. Yuck sticker or as the carbon monoxide, things like that. Some of them are just not so obvious, but they have the potential to even create more damage because they hide, they creep in, in places where you feel like you're safe, right? Chemical, environmental, physical toxins, they're lurking in every imaginable place. And these toxins, they may have played a significant role in shaping the way your IBD shows up for you today. Let me tell you, everything from toys to makeup, shampoo, water bottles, our clothes, carpets, furniture, the paint on our walls, mold, heavy metals, poor air quality, pretty much everything we come into contact with has the potential to contain toxins. In fact, according to toxin experts, most humans are walking around with about 700 toxins in their body at any given time. Toxins that are not supposed to be there at any moment. 700. 700. And remember, not all toxins are man-made chemicals. We're not just talking about man-made things. There's natural toxins as well, like ones in our food that are there naturally, but they can play a role in the demise of our digestive health. Toxins like lectins in legumes, mycotoxins, they're in all sorts of foods, but in dried fruit, in nuts is a place where you find them often. And biotoxins, they're in certain kinds of fish, and they can cause damage to many parts of our body, including our digestive system. But besides natural toxins, most of the, I would say the most common chemicals that you, toxins that you might come in contact with in your own home, they're ones like parabens, and they're found in some of your shampoos, your hair gel, even toothpaste. Also, formaldehyde which is something you think, I would never have that in my home. But they're usually on new things, new things you bring into your home, like a new mattress or a new car or even clothing. If you say to yourself, wow, that has that new smell, you know, that new smell, you can thank formaldehyde for it. 
parafluorinated chemicals, those are also ones that you wanna watch out for. You may even come in contact with those daily. Fast food containers, flooring, paint, they may all contain PFCs and they've been linked to damaging our immune system not good for us because it could be one of our IBD triggers. There are so many toxins out there. There's lots of references in the show notes if you want to read more about toxins, but chances are even if you have the cleanest, the greenest, the most organic home with stuff and with food, you are still exposed to toxins. And toxins were most likely present in a home where you grew up right? Because back then we knew even less about this. So what can you do about it? What can you do about this autoimmune root cause challenger? There are some conventional blood tests that will look for toxins in your body. So you could have a complete blood count. Your liver enzymes is a good place to look. Your inflammatory markers, these can all be helpful. And then functional and integrative doctors, they might take this testing one step further with something called an organic acid test. And that looks at toxins in your urine. And they might even do more blood and saliva testing, really specific targeted testing to look at toxins. If it's found, if toxins are found in your body and they're creating challenges for your immune function, for your inflammatory pathways and your digestive system, then you can work with your provider to create a plan to gently, I say that word, I gotta say it again, gently rid your body of these toxins. The plan will really depend on what toxins are present. And like I said, there's so many of them that your doctor will have to figure out what is the best plan for you. I don't recommend that you do a detox on your own. If you're just listening to this and you're saying, wow, we just got new carpet. We moved into a new house. The house was painted. We, I've just bought a bunch of new clothes, whatever, a new car, whatever. If you're saying, I must have those, I do not recommend you just go out on your own and do a detox. Because first of all, detoxes in general, they can be really taxing on an IBD gut. But the other problem is that detoxification, it releases toxins into your body to be flushed away. I mean, that's the whole point of this, right? We want to release the toxins to flush away. But here's the thing. If your flushing organs like your liver, your kidneys, or your colon, if they're not in good working order, you can now create more problems than you're helping because you've released all these toxins into your body. And now the organs that are supposed to be able to filter them they're not doing so well, so they can't filter it out. So see, now you've created an even bigger problem. So do yourself a favor. If you feel like toxins are one of your root cause culprits, work with a trained detox provider who's very familiar with Crohn's and colitis to help you detox naturally and slowly so that you avoid a lot of the discomfort and you don't create more problems than the toxins themselves were giving you. All right, my dear, it's time for trigger number eight. This is one I know that's close and near and dear to your heart, and it's stress. Root cause number eight is stress. The mother of all triggers, the one we truly struggle to get under control. Oh yeah, it's stress. Can you honestly say, (laughs) I'm holding you to this. Remember, no one's listening. No one's gonna judge you. Can you honestly say you have no stress? Yeah, me either. This is a trigger we can all get help with. But especially when IBD is at play, I notice that, well, first of all, there's this big 
huge gut brain connection, right? So we we can't really ignore it. But what I was going to say is that stress is usually the last thing that people want to tackle. People are much more willing to change their diet, to try supplements before they look at stress. It's interesting, isn't it? Think about all the things that you've done. Have you started with stress? Have you looked at stress yet? It's hard. Dealing with the stress in your life is harder than adopting a completely new way of eating. And I completely get it. Because we think of stress and we think, oh, I can't, I can't have that stress. I have to, and there's no way I can't have that stress. So I guess I'm just, it's like a vicious cycle. So I'm just going to have stress. Right here, right now, let me go ahead and ask you some questions to bring this topic of stress right to the center, right to the forefront, once and for all. We're going to deal with it today. Are you ready? I, and I know that these, these questions alone, they can just bring anxiety. They can just be a little bit stress-provoking. So let's go ahead, before we even get into the questions, let's just take a deep breath together. And then let's let it go. Good. I want you to know that this is a safe space and we are just going to ask the right questions to get at the heart of your stress. Okay? All right. Here we go. What kind of stress were you under just before your IBD diagnosis? What kind of stress were you under just before your IBD diagnosis? If it isn't that long ago, maybe you can remember. Now, let me ask you a follow-up question to that. Is that stress still a factor in your life today? Is it still a factor in your life today? What are the three biggest stressors that you're struggling with right now? What are the three things that are weighing on your mind? You know, they're Things that you think about as soon as you get up in the morning, the thought bubble right in your head, it's, it's there. When you're trying to go to bed at night, it's keeping you up. What are those three things? Next, once you have those, and actually let me just pause for a second. Give you just a minute to think about those three, those three stressors. What are they for you? Okay, now... I want to ask you, are you more prone to the type of stress that lingers and festers for long periods? Or do you more experience bursts of stress at home or at work in your life that challenge you in the moment? What, which, which of those do you identify with? And let me give you a little bit more information. The kind of stress that lingers, you know, it's your finances, a long-term illness, long-term relationship, relationship stress long-term insomnia. This is what we call chronic stress. Does that sound like you? Does that sound like the kind of stressors that you have in your life? Versus the kind of stress that comes fast and then it goes away just as fast, like a time-centered deadline at work or a blow-up with your spouse. You didn't see it coming. It gets heated, but then it fizzles quickly. Or you have a stress surprise, like a fight or flight kind of stress when a deer jumps out in front of your car while you're driving. Now that's what we call acute stress. So which of those really fits more for you? The acute stress or the chronic stress? Okay, 
Do you have an idea of those questions that I asked? Do you have some answers in your mind about what's going on with your stress right now? And I have to tell you, it's really difficult to focus on that. It's really hard. So you did great. I'm proud of you for playing along. And now what I want you to do, since we kind of went there, we went to that anxious place, I want us to shake it off. So right now I'm just like literally, I'm shaking my hands. I'm shaking my body a little bit. I'm just shaking that stress off. Just kind of shake it off. Maybe take a little deep breath. Just for the moment, just, just let it go. Okay, good. Now, we manage these types of stressful situations, the ones that we just talked about, the ones you were thinking about as we did that exercise. We manage, and notice I said manage, not get rid of, because I'm not looking for you to get rid of them. I know as a mom it's too hard. We're talking about managing here. We all manage these types of stressors differently depending on what our coping mechanisms are and knowing the kinds of things that you're stressed out about knowing the type of stress that's plaguing you whether it's acute stress or chronic stress now this is the first step you've already done it you have taken the first step you have taken the first step to getting control of the stress that's impacting your ibd and insight dear one insight is half the battle so congrats congrats to you You are ready for a big, bold IBD leap today. And now it's time to take some action. If stress is an IBD trigger for you, and haha, who doesn't have stress, or if the stress in your life right now is feeling like it's too much, I I have to take action, I have to do something about it, I want you to get your hands on my stress management tool belt. It's a guide to managing stress so that stress doesn't wreak havoc on your IBD. It may wreak havoc on parts of your life, but we don't want it wreaking havoc. We don't want it to get so bad that it wreaks havoc on your digestive self. Now that is never a good thing. Going into this resource knowing if you fit into the acute category, the chronic category, or the both category, because sometimes we can have both. I I probably fit into both (laughs) categories. We will really have a leg up because you'll be able to hone in your stress management techniques that will serve you best. I told you there was a lot of links today. A link to the stress management tool belt. It's in the show notes at karenhaley.com forward slash 91. And I'm going to remind you one more time. It's Karen with a Y, K-A-R-Y-N. Are you ready for it? It is time for trigger number nine. Trigger number nine. We have made it all the way to number nine. I don't know how many you have yet. If you have one, that's great. If you have eight, (laughs) that's okay too. We've made it to number nine. The root cause to IBD number nine is hormone imbalance. Hormone imbalance. How does this one fit for you? The last autoimmune trigger that's a biggie with women it's your hormones. Hormones play a large role in all of our body systems, including our digestive system. If our hormones are out of balance, it creates a cascade of symptoms that then then impact your gut. Let me try to really bring this home. I want to give it a I want to give you a really concrete example here that if you're a woman and you probably are because you're listening to this podcast, If you're a guy, you might want to tune this part out because it may not fit for you. But when you have your menstrual cycle, if you're still in menses, or think back, if you're not in it anymore, think back to when you did. What happens to your bowels? 
there's a change during that time of month, isn't there? Some women experience severe constipation, while others have looser stools, even diarrhea. You could even have both. I know for me, I would have constipation right before my period, and then by day three, loose, 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 right? So it could even be both. The hormones responsible for initiating your period, they don't just work during that time of month either. They are also interacting with you and with your digestive system all day, all month, all year long. The gut hormone connection, it isn't just reserved for your period, although I love that example because it really just brings it home and how they're connected because we can all relate to that. But how about when you were pregnant? What did your IBD do then? I bet it did something. It either got really, really bad or it got really, really good. How about after birth? How did your hormones change then? When you stopped breastfeeding, if you did, how did it change then? What about menopause? If you've gone through or you're going through perimenopause or postmenopause, if you've been through that, how did that impact your IBD? See, hormones and IBD, they always go together. One impacts the other greatly. Now, if you suspect hormone imbalances at the root of your IBD, let me tell you, my friend, proper testing is key. And like with so many of these triggers, your conventional doctor, they may not be asking for the tests that will really give a full a holistic picture of your hormone function. So when it's time for hormone testing, don't just stick with the standard TSH and the T4 blood work. That's what you're typically getting when you go for your annual exam or somebody's looking at your hormones and they say, oh, you look fine. You're good for another 100,000 miles. Uh-uh. Be sure to ask for more detailed testing or you can see an integrative or a functional medical provider who will then steer you in the right direction. Functional hormone testing and usually should include, remember I said functional, not the traditional conventional type, but functional testing. It should include, and you can write these down if you want to, TSH and T4. Those are typically standard. And then you want to ask for total T3, free T4, free T3, reverse T3, and thyroid antibodies. Okay, so the traditional TSH and T4, but then also total T3, free T4, free T3, reverse T3, and your thyroid antibodies. See how much more comprehensive we need to be when we're trying to determine if a hormone challenge is at the root of your IBD, or is it affecting it now even? Like with that possible IBD trigger number seven, the toxins one we talked about, the route to help you improve your hormone challenges and your IBD, it will depend on what results come back from your testing. You may need targeted medications or targeted supplements. There's even, or maybe even creams that's or patches. Those are two things that are used a lot in the hormone sphere. There's even certain foods that can help support various hormonal pathways for things like our adrenals or our thyroid levels. So there's so much that you can do. But if you suspect a hormone challenge is at play, start with a good functional medicine provider that can give you some good functional hormone testing. Of course, there are some of those direct-to-consumer sites where you can get your own. But I really feel like with hormones, it's such a 
field where you need an expert to really help you read the results. So that's my recommendation there. But let your practitioner steer you into some of the best treatment options available to you. Oh, we made it. All nine triggers, nine possible root causes for your IBD. Which of these fit for you? Which one's fit for you? Let's just recap it one last time so you can ting, 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 ting through your mind. You can kind of go through. Remember, we may be talking root cause here, but it's only to get a clearer path on the best pathway to healing for you. So we're talking about root causes, but in a, in a in an episode that's all about treating your IBD, it, it, it seems counterintuitive, but no, that is where we start. We start with the cause because that determines the treatment. So we must know where we came from. We have to know where we came from to know where we're going. I'm sure you've heard that saying before. That's true in life. It's true in IBD treatment as well. So think about these nine roots as I go over them again. We had leaky gut, gut dysbiosis, GI infections, high sugar, high carbohydrate intake, vitamin and mineral deficiencies, hidden food allergies and sensitivities, toxins, stress, and hormone imbalances. Where do all roads lead for you? Did you pick a couple of these out? Maybe two, three, maybe seven roots. Instead of feeling daunted by this, especially if your number is on the higher side, I want you to instead, I want you to pat yourself on the back. I don't know if you can hear that. I'm patting myself on the back today. (laughs) And I want you to do it too. And I want you to say, thank you, body. Thank you, body. Thank you for steering me in the right direction. Now... With this insight here, now I'm ready to take action like I never have been before, right? Because now you have a much clearer path. When we're not living in tunnel vision or overwhelm, when we have all the facts right in front of us, lined up in front of us, we can take action. It makes it so much less daunting. Now, as we wrap up this treating IBD series, moving beyond medicine, I want to know from you, what did you learn? Do you now feel like you have a good handle on your personal three-legged stool? Do you have an idea of the types of providers that can help you when you're ready for healing that takes place from the inside out? Are you thinking about what your three to five, it's okay if it's more or less, your three to five triggers. Are you thinking about the ones that contributed to your diagnosis or the ones that are still contributing to keeping your disease active today. That's where I would love for you to be right now. If you had those things, that's where I would love for you to be right now with clarity for those few things. And I, and I say that, I don't say that lightly. I know that it's a lot. It, It's a lot of information, right? This whole series was a lot of information, which is why I moved it from two parts to three. But if you're feeling lost, if you're feeling confused, if you're feeling overwhelmed right now, I want you to know that I am here to help you make sense of it all. You can use your new IBD expert list, experts list, because that can help you really seek out providers who can help. And remember, that list, it's yours. It is yours for hanging out with me during this series. It's yours for being part of this lovely and 
awesomely courageous community of IBD mamas. And it's yours because, well, you deserve it. It's yours because you deserve it. You deserve to heal. You deserve it. You deserve to be as healthy as you can be. And I know the providers on my IBD experts list. I know they can help you get started. It's waiting for you. All you have to do is reach out and grab it. It's at karenhaley.com forward slash experts. Karen with a Y, Haley.com forward slash experts. These are truly some of the most remarkable and some of the smartest people that I have had the pleasure to meet or learn from over the years. And you are going to love hearing about the work that they're doing, what they're working on, and how they can help serve your IBD at its root. And if you know anyone in a similar situation, please, please share everything that we've talked about in the last couple weeks with them. This is powerful, life-changing information. Share these episodes with them so they can find peace and they can thrive in their life too. All right, my dear, that's a wrap. That is a wrap on our three-part Treating IBD series. And I just want to say thank you. Thanks for joining me. Thanks for making this important in your healing journey. It has been quite a ride. And we'll be back again. We'll be back Thursday with an interview episode. I know you're going to love that one. Until we meet again, I am wishing you a cheeky and healthy gut healing journey. Chat soon, my friend.